What's going on? We know for a fact this is episode 13. Yes. We know that. And we've got new theme song, new theme music. Potentially. No, I think it was in there. We don't know yet because we, we don't hear it until post. It'll be okay, in there. True. Yeah. Little new, little new banger for the yeah. intro. Did you um, make that banger? Did you have something to do with that? Yeah, I made that banger. Shout out Ghetto Socks, Guilty Simpson, Chan Hayes. It's an original. Chan Hayes? <laughs> Chan Hayes. Yeah, that's what I was. No way. Tanner asked if, if it was copyrighted. Like, yeah, to me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good. Anyways, yeah, welcome to the Master Keys Podcast, episode 13. Early edition. Early edition. We're in here way before my wake-up call. Yeah, uh, yeah, and you're still late. And somehow. I'm still late. I was only eight minutes late, so I'm not the worst. Yeah. But uh, today we have a special guest. Yeah. He's a friend and I guess I'd say co-worker of Yeah, Chandler. man. Uh, long-time buddy, Igor. Igor yeah. Gashelin. Want to introduce yourself? Yeah. yeah, Igor Gashelin, uh, Premier Mortgage, the Bentley Group. Thanks for having me. I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, no problem. Igor and I go way, way back, actually kind of relating to, we were both kind of like around the hip-hop scene back in 2000. That's how we knew each other oh. originally. Oh, yeah. What's, I've known Chandler. <laughs> it's uh, it's Igrock. Igrock. Yeah. 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 I used to break. I was a b boy yeah, or a break big... dancer for layman's terms competitively totally. for a long time. Yeah. For those listening, they can't see my face right now. My jaw, <laughs> Just pure shock. my jaw off the floor. Pure shock. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've known Chandler wow. since I was, what, like 18? So, yeah. Loosely. Yeah. I must have been 18 because I think you couldn't get into all the venues at the time and I just barely could. I still found yeah, my the way. Yeah. Kyber and yeah, yeah. good old days. And man. then we still so That's Chan- 21 years ago, man. So Chandler started selling real estate around the same time that I became a broker and yeah. we kind of connected on that yeah. and then became, like we just knew each other, but then yeah. we became friends, did a couple of deals together and then really grew our like professional and personal relationship. Yeah, like I was right? a professional student for a long time because I'm a bit older than you are and then mm. you were doing business and I think you did a work co-op at a, a mortgage yeah. company, right? Yeah, yeah well, I did a work co-op actually, I, so I have a, a finance degree from Dow, which I won't talk about that, but I did uh, co-op at uh, Century 21. And that was my first co-op because oh, yeah. I knew I liked I knew I liked real estate, but I didn't know what that meant. You knew you liked right. real estate and gold jack. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. The gold, twenty one co-op. But no, I, I drove their little <laughs> century twenty one. Yeah, I drove their little smart car and put up sold signs, and <laughs> I was like nineteen. I, oh. it, you know, it was just a nice yeah. way in. But I actually totally. learned a lot about just the like the boring background of real estate through it. Yeah. Like I, you know, I could put together a purchase agreement yeah. back then. Anyway. Anyway, and then I met Scott Bentley, who's now my business partner and, and longtime mentor, who yep. ran a Centum office because those have the same parent mm-hmm. company. And I was doing a finance degree, and I realized I like real estate, and a mortgage is financing real estate. Mm-hmm. So yep. it was like this light bulb was like, oh, th- this is the part of yeah. real estate that I actually And Scott's like. a cool, interesting guy too, man. That yeah, Scott's, Scott's fascinating. Yeah. And uh, anyway, he kind of took me under his wing, and, and then we joined Premier in 2009, which is when I graduated from Dow. Which uh, is also, there. I think I got licensed, I think I got licensed the fall of 2008, and you and I had both, we had known each other, but yeah. um, not nearly as well as we do now. And it was very... Synchronicity, some whatever. I mean, it was it was perfect timing for us both. Yeah. We were we were launching our careers together, and I call Igor the Rain Man for anyone who asked me about mortgages. I'm like, <laughs> Igor's the Rain Man, man. He makes it rain. Because um, you've done, I think, every single deal, at least every single deal I've done the last decade plus. Yeah, um, has been through you and a lot of my clients as well. So we have a lot of questions that have built up over 
um, you know, some comments online and just things that we wanted to go into a little bit more in depth about lending products. So we thought bring you on, man. So welcome. Yeah, yeah. totally. That's so that's the background. So this, is, this is the only thing I've ever done. Okay. Yeah. Like, you know, professionally, I guess. Yeah. Outside of crushing beads with Chandler. That's so, right. Side hustles aside. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but let's uh, recap, Neil. What's yeah. what's going on? What's new? Not much. I mean, obviously, this, this is a doubleheader week. So yeah, yeah. We, we recorded an episode a couple days ago. I'm so. still trying to close the Ooh. small unit. And we've been having some slow funding. I have nothing to do with that. For and the Igor has nothing to do with it specifically <laughs> in this case now. But uh, yeah, no, we've been just dragging along. It's because it's a reassignment. There's multiple lawyers involved. And everything's bouncing around like crazy. And mm-hmm. it's a three property deal. And one of them is not closing. So I'm closing two out of the three. So everything had to be amended. Mm-hmm. And it's just been like every day I wake up and it's like all right, there's these 800 things that need to change. And it's just been the bane of my existence. But So the one that's not closing, so, are they still advancing those funds or holding them in trust? Or it's like, no, we're going to reissue a new. We didn't. They didn't even advance. So like the the letter from, well, it's, it's Gray's work that's closing it. Right. They didn't even send the funds on it. Um, but I just got a environmental call report. call them for you? Or? Yeah. <laughs> if you can make a few calls today, that'd be <laughs> sure. great after this. But uh, yeah, so I just actually got a report, an environmental report from that site showing that it's good and Nova Scotia Environment actually closed it out. Oh, really? Based Man. on that letter. So we've actually got wow. that letter closed and everything, which is the bomb. So now I'm in the process of trying to get that done. But like... That, that was very quick. That was very quick. And well, the seller surprising. had it the whole time. The seller had a, a closed environmental site letter the whole he, time? No, he had, a, he had a 2012 OCL soil sample showing that the soil is clean and the remediation was done fine. And he just has not mentioned this for the last like two weeks as we're all losing our minds with this NSE letter in hand. Uh, being Crazy. like, what do we do? And, yeah. and anyway, so now he has it and it's clean. But then it's on the scene. They're like, oh, well, it's in now, so we want to close tomorrow. And I'm like... Unfortunately, you can't. That's how it works. Yeah, it doesn't quite work like that with this. It's not, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, even though things are in place now, like Grazer's got to send it out to Cooper McInnes and we got to get an insurance bond. There's a million and one things that have to go into place. Yeah. yeah. So anyways, it's been, uh, it's a nice little wake up call every morning because one of the guys in the deal gets up at six <laughs> and just starts hammering my phone. So I get up to like 86 messages and he usually has resolved his issues in that time, <laughs> but he comes at me first or every time he thinks something pops in his head and he's like, got to go after Neil. Well, that's good, man. I'm excited yeah. for you. So. If it ever closes. They're going to now close all three at once. That's the thought? Uh, no, no, we're, we're going to close the two yeah. because then we can actually close this week and the third one will close next week. Where are they? Uh, Spryfield. Okay. Yeah. So that's where I have a – that's where I kind of started my multi-unit game was in Spryfield and I was fortunate at the timing. Yeah. yeah. Same was, street too, right? And yeah, so I bought them all on the same street. So I'll have six of them on six buildings in a row on the same street. Which street? Uh, Spencer Ave. Okay. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So it makes it so much easier to, to manage and all that, but – Glad yeah, I got past the finish line. And you're up for a little boat cruise last night. Yeah, I took the I took the team for a little boat cruise. Saw that on the ground. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, the building that I live in has a sailboat and a center console, and they come with like a, a driver, basically captain, I guess. And so as part of my signing of the lease, they gave me a certain alloc- amount of allocations. Nice. And so I had some allocations left, and we've been wanting to go. So I took out uh, my assistant, property manager, and then Tanner as well. For a little boat cruise. That's last a legit night. amenity. Yeah. So I remember like King's Wharf talked about having something like that, the Harbor Ferry. And is is that, that that like kind of light grayish sailboat that's always exactly, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I always walk by there and I see it and I'm like, that's a really nice looking boat. <laughs> it just yeah. looks really clean. Uh, yeah, it is a very, I don't know anything about sailing, but apparently it's a very neat boat in the sense that like sailing takes a lot of like maneuvering and mul- yeah. multiple people to like move the sails around and tighten things and all that. This one all it's very technical. And it's auto. Huh. 
Right. So yeah. one person, he's like, one person can drive it and like it automatically flips the sails around yeah. and tightens the ropes and all that. Like they're just built into the ship. Yeah. So apparently very neat. I don't know anything about That's sailing, always been my so. issue with sailing is cool. it's way too much work. Like my family's all <laughs> big sailors. Like you go out on the water. I don't want to go out in the water and work yeah, hard. Yeah. I want to sit there and drink beers. I went out one time. Jalen's a like, pontoon guy. Big oh, pontoon yeah, guy. Yeah, totally. I'd, with, I'd a hoodie, a with a hoodie on. With yeah. a hoodie on. <laughs> <laughs> really soaking in the rays. Like I just put on my dog shoes. I'm like, I'm doing it. Um, <laughs> but my family's all big time sailors. Like they love to sail. My grandfather sailed the blue nose. My dad did like the marble head to Nova Scotia. Like big sailing nice. stuff. Like this is terrible. I went on one time with like a cousin on a catamaran. You think it's hard on a normal boat. You go on a catamaran, like you're jumping across these two things. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Anyway, du- double the work. Yeah, yeah, double work. We were at the Wanderers game last yeah. night, which is oh, fun, nice. I guess. Yeah, yeah it was good. Yeah. We had good seats and yeah, yeah. They, they lost one nothing, but yeah, you know, yeah. that's okay. I just go there to hang out and it's outdoors and it was nice. Nice. Yeah. That's good. I got to go to one of those. I have not been. I, they sell yeah. out every time, I think. I Pretty close think. to it. I yeah, know. I mean, I mean, I think it's been weird with COVID. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. But they have been popular for sure. Like the first year, the city really got behind it, which was cool. Yeah, that's what I say. Um, I feel like the city was really pumping it for them to get going. Yeah, yeah. But uh, well, we're gonna get into this in a second. But one last thing, um, you're talking about, you know, making panic calls and trying to sort things out and blah blah blah. Um, I think I mentioned this on a previous episode when they were going through the center plan. And I applied to get more height on that one location. Yeah. And they said, no, nah, we're going to keep you the same. And then accidentally dropped it below. So yes. I was at 20 meters, which is about six stories. I'm like, well, it's a corner lot. Maybe I can try to push it for 24 meters and get two more stories. Yeah. And they said, no, no, we're going to keep you the same at 14 meters. I'm like, what? No, no, no. The same was 20 meters. <laughs> right. Uh, so they were cutting me down. And so I went through and I, you know, you can submit corrections. So I submitted my correction. I'm like, I'm sure it's all taken care of. Submitted my correction. They're like, yes, our mistake. No problem at all. And I mentioned too about having good friends and clients who are planners and what an asset that can be. Yeah. One of them was just coincidentally surveying the area. And he's like, just so you know, they never made that correction. You're still in here at 14 meters. <laughs> no way. So I just took for granted that they made the correction. So I sent out like the emergency call to <laughs> every single person I knew. Straight to the president. Back yeah. signal, yeah. <laughs> get me the president. Um, and it got taken care of. But uh, I was having some heart palpitations the other day. That. That's a big deal, man. That's, that's a difference. Yeah. Like, you're think- taking off 30 units or at least 20. That's an yeah. interesting point, I think, about real estate and mortgages as well and what makes people good at doing either one is that you you have to babysit everything mm-hmm. beyond what is quote unquote your job oh 100 right yeah. but that's where you do see deals fall when someone's like well I, I sent it off and i assume it got done it's like no no you then follow up 10 yeah. times and you get confirmation that it yeah. got done and that's how it gets done right and how funny is it that we're usually more slack on our own deals for ourselves true than we are for other people Right? Can you big, relate to that? Big time. Oh, my yeah, God. I'll be all yeah. over my client's deal. And then my own personal one, like, I'll get a message from Brendan. She's like, do you know the deposit was due? And I was like, ah, oh, the deposit. So <laughs> and then in the back of my head, I'm yes, like, I yes. didn't do an inspection. I didn't look into the financing. I didn't do anything. But here's the deposit. Yeah. 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 I had Halifax Water, uh, or no, No Scotia Power cut yeah. me off on a building I just bought because I forgot to put it in my name. It's just like, oh, yeah. That's that, the thing. That. And I should mention that. I, I, I talked about this when we were discussing, you know, building a team around you and and how the buying process works. And I'm a big believer in having people around you that are inspiring and they're like-minded and that are doing the same things that you want to do. And Igor, you also own three, four units and a couple duplexes, if I recall correctly. Yeah, 15 units total. Nice. Um, And our office, Scott, my partner and I own our office too downtown. So 
yeah, it's and it's funny, you know, not to toot each other's horn, but Chandler's someone I've always looked toot, up toot. to for that because you know when we connected, I was starting, he was starting, but he was already buying like a duplex and then another one, and I he was quick to and, get at it, yeah. Right, and we had so many clients. So Scott, my partner, his client base from you know years ago, we did probably half of our business was investors. Yeah, yeah. But that's when you could buy rentals with no money down or five percent down. So, <coughs> so that like, what? Good old days. yeah, yeah. So so then you know it became. I guess a, a smaller percentage of our business when less people could play, but mm. uh, it was always a big part of what we did. So from when I was like 20 doing this, we were helping so many people do everything you guys are talking about. Yeah. And I was always like, well, this is great and all, but I want to do it too. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so then, you know, working with Chandler, who was ahead of me doing it, it, it just made sense. He had some of the knowledge to be able to give pass on that he's learned from his first few that he could yeah. get going. And, and it's just someone to push you to say, okay, well, I want to, I want to do what they're doing. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I don't want to get sidetracked, but there's no money down. Uh, Once upon so, a, that was just before me even. So, like, so when right I started around, yeah. doing mortgages in 2009 or eight, mm-hmm. you could yeah. buy a non-owner occupied duplex. Okay. With zero money down. Mm-hmm. Hang on. 40 year amortization <laughs> insured by CMHC. And the insurance premium was 6.95%. So you had a mortgage Jesus. for 107% of the property's value. On a four-year, forty-year AM, so you weren't paying that thing down. <laughs> yeah, but we had guys who were living in their parents' basements, and if they had a decent job and a pulse and a credit score and closing costs, they were buying duplexes. So you look at certain neighborhoods, Man. like you mentioned, Spryfield mm-hmm. or like Kennedy, Rolica, mm-hmm. all those things that were trading for like you know, what was it, like a buck, hundred and fifty, hundred fifty, sometimes for, even less for duplexes. Yeah, Sixty a door, yeah. yeah. Well, what are the closing costs on that? Three grand? Like two or three grand, yeah. So, great. Sign here. You want another yeah, one? I Sign just, here. I just missed that. I know. I, know. <laughs> I just missed that window when I was doing it. It's like they just changed the amortized. Oh, no. I think it was still 40-year AM when I bought, but it had to be 5% down. And, right. Oh, um, quite for a bit. I know. And, and, and I'm like, and I only, and I make 2.5% commission on the deal. Yeah. So, I had 2.5% is what I needed to get the deal done. And um, and then, so then, yes. Yeah, so and then they changed it to, okay, a rental a rental five or two unit was five percent down. A rental three or four was ten percent down, right? And then so still very attainable. Insanity. <clears throat> and then the CMHC said, "Okay, wait, we don't want to be involved in this, so we will no longer offer insurance on this stuff. So therefore, it's twenty percent down to play." So that changed things very quickly for two reasons. One was with just way less people had the money. Yeah. But also, even people who had the money, like if you were used to putting five percent down on a two unit. And then you were measuring your cash on cash return on that. Mm. You were laughing, right? Because your investment was nothing. So any return was good. Returning yeah. infinite. But then, <laughs> yeah, right? Like but then, thousand dollars in. Sure. Right. Like. But so maybe. then, if you suddenly, and, and again, like we're in, in retrospect, people are very spoiled in thinking this way. But you said, oh, now I have to do twenty percent down. My investment has quadrupled. Well, mm-hmm. my rents haven't. So my return is now a quarter of what it was last week. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't want to bother. Right. Yeah. So then that changed a lot, uh, but it's been now 20% has been the norm for so long that it's- Yeah, and that's of, if you're not owner-occupied. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. It's, just not, it's just like whatever. But yeah, non-owner-occupied, 40-year AM. So I'm just going to be super millennial and say, way easier back in the day. Ha-ha. Yeah. Big is, time. He, he's agreed. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. no, no. I mean, there's, there was probably the other thing We also was, had a lot of down years. I was and you say, couldn't the, necessarily the, rent the apartments right away. Right. I was the other thing I was going to say. On the flip side, yes, you get this building, but the rents probably were not that exciting. 
you couldn't really crank them up. Yeah. Even if you sunk in 100 grand in the building, you probably weren't going to crank them up that much. Yeah. And the following year, the building's probably worth about the same amount. Yeah. yeah. And you haven't painted down any because you have a 40-year amortization. Yeah, and yeah. a beaded pork on. Right. Like that's and the one thing when they, they started ticking down the um, amortization is that it made the refinances more enticing. Well, more possible. More possible. Or sooner, yeah, like there was sooner actually, oh, possible. I actually have equity in this property, whereas before it was like, I have no equity, but I have the property. Well, you had yeah. no equity because yeah. you were financed to 107% yeah. from day one. Yeah, and, and not <laughs> making much and, and of the principal. And not yeah. paying it down. And the rates were a little higher. The, the other issue that mm-hmm. I assume is part of the reason that CMHC got out of it is because it, it took nothing for people to walk away from those things too the second it went wrong. Right, right. Yeah. The second you had vacancies or issues, you'd say, ah, here's nothing my, really here's my keys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I got nothing in this thing, so yeah. see ya. Uh, one of the questions that we had, and just to backtrack a little bit or, or to get uh, towards some, a different topic a little bit, we covered, because one of the federal mandates was to sort of revisit the down payment matching through CMHC yep. and the idea that rather than take uh, the same 5% of what you put in and take all that uh, the five percent of the new value when you when you sell it, they're now just going to fix the amount they put in. So uh, there's this program out there, and Igor will speak to it here, where if you're putting five percent down, CMHC will also put five percent down so that you have ten percent equity in the property, which lowers your payment and lowers your CMHC premium. But in the past, the challenge, or still currently, I don't know if they've changed this yet. No. Nope. When when you sell, there's some some cons to that. So so tell us about the program first and. And tell us the positives, I guess, with it. Yeah, so it's a federal government program uh, cleverly named the FTHBI, which is the First Time Home Buyers Incentive. Um, they didn't bother. It's a good acronym. Easy yeah, acronym yeah just easy to you know yeah. absor- <laughs> absorb. And so um, it's, a, it's a shared equity program, and that's really important to understand. Now, it's not good or bad. A lot of people, I think, in our industry, in the mortgage business, say it's bad because I think they didn't, they didn't bother doing the math, frankly. Um, nothing is good or bad. Everything is case by case, as cliche as that sounds. Mm-hmm. So the way that it works is, say you do your 5% down, which you have to. If you meet the criteria, which I'll explain, it's very simple, you can get the government to give you another 5%. And it's very simple, like in the sense that if you meet the criteria, they'll give it to you. Mm-hmm. Or, or you don't and they won't. Like It's, it's not like maybe, maybe not. If you qualify, yeah. you get it. Yeah. Criteria is simple. You are a first-time buyer. Your household income, so whether it's you or you know two applicants, is no more than 120,000. They're increasing that, aren't they? In certain markets. Okay. Because yeah. in Toronto, because because of the next point I'm, I'll make here, in Toronto and Vancouver, it's useless. Yeah, no one qualify for it. Because yeah. the third part is the amount you borrow, which is the mortgage, so say 90%, pl- plus the 5% from them, can't be more than four times your income. Oh. So if the income is capped at 120, that means your borrowing can't be more than 480, which means you can't buy anything in certain cities. Yeah, yeah. Who are the right? like? How is that a usable <laughs> program in, in some? We've already got almost the average house price is 700. Right. Toronto's average is like 1.1, 1. 1, and they're so, like so it's utterly program. Yeah, 480,000 dollars sheds. <laughs> yeah, it's, but, it's but, utterly useless. But it gets even more complicated because what if your income isn't 120k? Right. So that's another point. Now, the other thing just to quickly mention is if you're buying new construction, you can actually get 10% from them. You can choose five or 10 uh, on top of your original five. Now, here's another point. So say you have an applicant, this especially happens with single income applicants. Say someone makes, you know, 70,000 or something like that, and they have no debt, they might be able to qualify for a mortgage of, you know, X amount. Yeah, it's a great applicant. So, they might be able to qualify for mortgage. It's like low threes, low you know, threes, yeah. 360, 350. Yeah. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. say low threes. But if they want to use this program, 70 times four is 280, right? They can't buy so, over 280. Yeah. Right. So, so the program actually sends them backwards in what they can get. Yeah. So it's yeah. some broken. 
yeah. broken mouth here. Because it's the government, and I make no qualms in saying that, you know, they come out with stuff to be like, look at us, look at what we're doing for the consumer and for the little guy, and we're all about the middle class, and like, I'm not a political guy, but, you know, I think in every industry, people in it look at programs that the government did, quote unquote, for everyone's own good, and roll their eyes and say like, if only you had asked us totally. you know, yeah. what Just we ask actually someone think. In, in the know. I mean, and this, they say that they did, but that's total nonsense. Because yeah. then the, these little fallacies wouldn't Would exist. Take place, yeah, right? 100%. And I think in certain markets, you know, we, we've mentioned here in Nova Scotia, you drive an hour and the price drops by 75%. Right. Yeah. Right? So there are areas of the province where this would have been like, this is amazing. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm getting extra equity in the home right away. Payment comes down. All of these things are great. And those houses are affordable. Yeah. But ironically, these are meant to make- The expensive things, houses more the, affordable. Yeah, the expensive yeah. house more affordable that's, and that's it the, didn't function. That's the pitch of it anyway. Yeah. And that's where most of the population lives too, obviously. And right. So. Yeah. This wouldn't really be- able, This is why you and I, when I was like, I never knew anyone that used that program. And someone who was, in, I think, in the Valley yeah. quickly pointed out that he had used it. And like, yeah, like these numbers- don't really jive work here a lot. In, in town a whole yeah. lot. So, so we've done a bunch of them, but so here's here's the flip side. So this kind of, the benefit is it's a bit technical, but I'll explain it as quick as possible. So when you put less than 20% down, you have to pay default insurance. CMHC, what people often interchangeably use with default insurance, right. it, yeah. it's just one of three insurance companies, but the cost of the insurance is the same between yep. all three of them. So- Genworth uh, and Canada uh, well, Guarantee. Genworth right? just rebranded for some reason. Now they're called Sajin, okay. but Canada Guarantee is the third one. Yeah. And then CMHC is the government-owned yeah. Crown Corp. So the point is, if you put 5% down, the cost of the insurance is then 4% of the amount of the mortgage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's 4% of 95%. Yeah. Right? If you put 10% down, the insurance cost is 3.1. Yeah. So you save almost a full percent of the entire mortgage amount if you do the ten percent down, yeah. yeah, so putting the a few thousand bucks anyway, and then right. multiply it, compounding it's, it's something, right? Yeah. So by using this program, to me, the biggest benefit is, ironically, it's the, the the government and the insurance company giving you the money to lower the insurance you pay them, yeah, right. So so that's the benefit. So you save a few thousand dollars upfront, right? And then, so on on say like a four hundred thousand dollar home, mm-hmm. doing this would save you about four thousand dollars upfront. Mm-hmm. In in the um, insurance, actual premium, right? And then about a hundred bucks a month on your payment because your mortgage that's is huge. lower. Yeah, right. That's huge. Yeah. And the payment is important, I think, in determining like if this is good for someone or not, based on how long they may own the home. Yeah. Because the payment needs to the payment savings need to amount to something, and that happens over time. Mm-hmm. Right. Hundred bucks a month in a year is twelve hundred. Five yep. years is six thousand. So five years is an easy window. 6,000 in payment savings, 4,000 in uh, insurance savings. So you're up 10 grand in five years. Right. The catch is they own kind of 5% of your property. And this is what they're looking at changing because explain why that is, can be a bit of a bummer. So it's shared equity. So you're up this $10,000. You borrowed on a $400,000 home, 20,000, right? 5%. When you sell, you don't owe them $20,000. You owe them 5% of what you sell your house for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, say you sell that house in- Five years, and say we have like not the crazy appreciation we've had in the past two years. Say yeah. it's five percent a year. That works out to like low five hundreds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So say you sell for five hundred thousand, right? So you now owe them twenty five thousand dollars. Right. Five yeah. percent of that. Twenty of it was never yours, so that's fine. So this cost you five thousand dollars, which but eats it, into all the you, same. But, but you saved about, yeah. you ten. Yeah. So you're still up five, and you've enjoyed a lower payment for all those five years. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. So not bad. 
Yeah. And today if, is 30% year over year, or as you mentioned, she said, 75% year over year <laughs> right. appreciations. You might, then you're getting smoked. Yeah. But is that going to keep happening every year? Going no, no right. definitely so, not. Definitely. And realistically, those gains have been in markets where you couldn't get this program anyway. Totally. Yeah. Right? But they are looking at changing that. One, I think they're going to tweak all the qualifications to make it actually usable yeah. um, in these major markets. Allegedly. And two, <laughs> allegedly, they're going to say, okay, your 5% of the time was 20 grand. When you sell down the road, you're still just going to owe us that 20 grand. Right. That would be um, nice. I mean, but then, if they go through with it. Then they're just doing it what, out of the goodness of their own heart, right? Like that's, yeah. I don't know. I'm Eastern I'm used uh, European. I don't trust the, the government, you know? So, yeah. I mean, it's uh, funny how they offer this program at the same time as everything the, the, is popping off. Right. That's Is that a coincidence? Like, and running for an election and right. all yeah. this stuff. Now, they'll also share in the downside. So, you know, when, when values plummet, you only owe them. You know, five yeah. percent of the lower number, yeah, yeah. which which like great and all, but yeah. that's not. Uh, <laughs> yeah. See, this is the sort of nuanced expertise. Info. I'm not again. I'm not trying to pump your tires. People ask me all the time why I go with a broker as opposed to a mortgage professional just Going sitting at a cubicle bank. at yeah. a bank. And I think we should be clear that a mortgage broker does deal with the major banks. Like a lot of my lending products right now are with Scotia Bank and BMO, yep. right? But they're all brokered by you. I'm not going to say anything. Neil, you can maybe say something if you want, but like why Why would you say go with a broker rather than a, than a bank? Yeah, let you do th- there's two like – I get asked that all the time just by, you know, new clients reaching out. And it's a genuine question. Like I don't think people are asking it in like a combative way. Like, like why should I deal with you? I think people <laughs> genuinely don't know <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and they're like, yeah. why? Like what, what do you guys do? Because um, people don't know. So I think there's two answers and this is how I answer it to clients. There's a generic answer, which is true yet generic, which is that – Brokers have access to lots of different lenders instead of dealing with just one bank. Um, so, you know, banks differ in, in programs. And with rental properties, that's actually really crucial. But, Huge. but yeah, even yeah. just for the average first-time single-family home buyer, yep. it, choice is important. Representation. So a broker represents the client, advocates for the client, and presents your file in the best light to the lender as opposed to you being thrown to the wolves just dealing with the bank and you don't know what, how to interact with them or, you yep. know, how to present yourself. Um, so representation in that sense. Also, the person at the bank works for the bank. Their job's to make their employer money, right? Their interests are not your interests. Sorry. I always remind everyone this. I'm like, the bank, everyone has this weird thing of like this comfort level with the banks on my side. And I'm like, the bank's another store and they're selling you a product. They're the Walmart of money. That's right. they're there to make money, but yeah, that's not a good, to catch I, up. I'm going to steal that. I like that. <laughs> um, so, yeah. so that's the, the the generic answer, and so and that's also where you get into people say, oh, you get the best rates. Well, yeah, when you actually buy a house, th- there's lots of these different lenders available. They're all offering competing rates. Will find you a great rate. Like that's that's a given. It's just the, it's just a starting point. So any broker should be able to articulate that because that's just how the system works. Mm-hmm. That's not any one broker's value proposition. That's just how the whole thing functions. Yeah, right? and all these banks are competing through us for our clients' business. All the banks know that, so it forces them to be like as forthcoming with their best offers as possible instead of playing that game, you know? Yeah. Where they see like, um, are you happy with this rate? Okay, we yeah. could have gone lower, but you seem satisfied, yeah. so. I, on that note, I'm gonna ask you, I, I was told by another broker recently, like sometimes they can even beat the rates that the guys at the branch can offer. Like yeah. I know one mm-hmm. said based on their production as a group, uh, let's say it's with whatever CBC, if you do 100 million in lending products, they offer you exclusive rates that you can offer that you can actually beat up against the regular, let's say, cubicle. From the, from the same bank. Financial. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yep. So he said, because his client was like, oh, I'm getting quoted 2.1 from the bank. And he's like, oh, I can give you 1.89. Probably from the same bank. From, and it was from, yes, from yeah. the same bank, but it's because of the volume. Totally. We had a so, transaction early on where someone got denied by a bank and then you got the mortgage done with the exact same bank. Yeah, and that's presentation, right? Presentation. That to but, me is a huge thing. And a lot of listeners will have with their 
you know, if you've got side hustles, you know, know yourself. If you are not a class A borrower in the right. banker's eyes, you need a broker, right? If you've got this money come from here, this is an independent contractor, this is like temp work. Like, even even more simple things that you, you don't think about, like say nursing is a really good example, right? Uh, nurses make good money, you know, obviously health professionals vary in demand. A lot of them work what, what, are, what are called casual jobs. Yeah. That's how they're classified. So they work full-time, but they're not guaranteed full-time hours. Crazy. T teachers, okay. uh, you know, teachers, great, government job, cool. Uh, a lot of them are on term positions mm -hmm. until they get like way into that school board, bureaucratic, yep. you know, ladder climbing. So, yeah. so, so my point is that even like, yeah, people with side hustles and, and contract work and all this stuff that's becoming more and more common, that's complicated. But even things that at face value may seem simple are not so cookie cutter, right? And so if you've got someone who, you know, puts their file away at 4.30 and they're off for the next two days and you are not on their mind. Like, yep. you know, I lose sleep over deals quite literally, right? Mm -hmm. Like I wake up being like, oh, right, I got to fix that tomorrow, you know. Chandler. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, Deposits too. Yeah, but you know, someone, and, and, that's, and that's the other thing too, like not to bring money into it, but like someone on a salary, and this is not a slight to them, but like they shouldn't be trying to work the extra mile for you because it doesn't do anything for them. And no, sorry, that's just how things work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, um, I said to a lot of people because a lot of people ask me like why the broker and I'm like right off the hop they're not getting paid unless your deal closes so they're all yeah. in to make sure that that thing is going to close and yeah exactly I, I always say the same thing if, unless you're like super simple I've been making bi-weekly income for the last 10 years it's set standard and like I only am only interested in buying this one house and it's well within my range Yeah. then I'm like alright yeah you probably just go to the bank but, but you, otherwise you, I'm like you know if there's anything like you said or even multiple people or they're buying a secondary property or whatever it is I'm always like broker you have to because they need to look at your whole picture totally and the other thing too is the experience so that person you're right they'll get approved by the bank like it would take a colossal mistake to mess that up right yeah. but um, what was that experience like? You know, yeah. like were you hounding someone for three days just to get back to you? And and sometimes that's the case. I mean, yep. you guys send agreements to banks all the time. Do they even acknowledge receipt of the agreement? Often not. Right. I so. always say, call them. And like, well, I can't really call them. So what do you mean you can't call them? It's like, well, the bank, like the phone, you don't have a number line right. straight kind of, to them. Like, yeah. or like, oh, it's six o'clock. Yeah. It's like you know. Yeah. And I'm not so. trying to beat up on them because there's a lot of no. awesome independent it, brokers it's, within the banking system, but they are limited in their in their products they can it's, offer. It's not necessarily even their fault. It's just the way the system is designed yeah. for them. It's an order-taking system. You come in, you say, I want this. They fill in the forms, next client, right? Yeah. So for us, so, so again, everything I said earlier is generic but true. And then for our team specifically, what we really focus on is making it a very educational and transparent process, especially for you know first-time buyers. So they don't just get pre-approved, but they understand like how it happened and what happened along the way. Um, and then also being an actual advisors. So, you know, th there's a lot of structure, especially for people who want to grow with real estate. Mm -hmm. It's not about just getting this one deal. Yeah. It's about doing it in a way that positions you best for your next deal. 100%. Exit strategy. You know, yeah. I've pounded that drum a lot in this already. Exit strategy and having a broker who gets it and is doing the same thing personally and knows where you're trying to get to is huge, hugely important. Yeah. And then, and then the other thing is we've, we've done everything you can do with the property between Scott and I, between, you know, rentals, flipping Airbnbs, building either he or I have done it. So again, when you're talking to someone who is reading like how to do the thing you were asking them to do out of a manual, this is huge, right? Mm -hmm. Versus I'm obsessed with this. Hey guys, we've done this. We're, yeah. we're not an armchair quarterback. Yeah. And, and that's, I guess, you know, some people haven't had a chance to do it yet. And there was a point when I couldn't have said that and that's okay. But just in general, if you're doing something again that someone's like, well, according to the policy that I've read, versus, hey, here's yeah. how you, here's yeah. how here's you how actually do yeah. it. Yeah, like you're, you're. I'm, I'm chomping at the bit, and I'm, I'm probably like, this is like, some, I'm gonna get some hate for this, but 
you can't learn to buy a Rolls Royce from someone who drives a Toyota Corolla. I think I think this is the second time you. Have said I said that it on that. here? I, yeah. I love that. Yeah. I, I think that's I think that's the best. But I think it relates to what yeah. he's saying, right? right? You, totally. It's same with us. That's what we were saying earlier. And this yeah. is what I think where it came up before is working with agents that not necessarily haven't done the investment. How can they you know advise what I mean? you? Exactly. How can they advise you on that? And it's the same for you. It's you can be a lot more advisable if you've done it and understand exactly what they're going through and what they're looking for and how they need to grow. Yeah, coming full circle. Me and Igor love this same rapper named Rock Marciano. And I know you're thinking the same lines. I was, I've got Lamborghini dreams and Nissan nightmares. Yeah, yeah. That's his line he has, which is phenomenal. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we were talking about Kanye last night. What do you think I rap for to push a RAV4? Yeah, yeah. Which like is a great line, but also like as a RAV4 owner, it stinks a <laughs> Yeah, yeah. rav is a great, reliable automobile. Anyway. Yeah, well, that's um, not what you rap for. You that's, know? That's, uh, I want to yeah. go back to the CBHC real quick here. We were talk- We made a quick mention. I mean, we talked about it for a different reason, but we also made a quick mention of it used to be that you could do 100%. Mm-hmm. Now you have to do 5, 10 with an owner-occupied situation. Yeah. Have you heard or have you seen on those owner-occupied, because, I mean, <laughs> a lot of people claim owner-occupied, buy it as a rental. How I'm going to live in one unit and rent the other. I think we've all seen maybe potentially a client I've renting. heard rumors about this. I've heard rumors of people potentially renting both. Can't Don't know anyone who's done it, but... Sure, neither confirm nor deny. Yes, but have you heard, I've been told that CMHG has had independent companies or they're going out and they're checking. They're like, yes, you mentioned this. I'd never heard of this. I've never heard of that. Yeah. I don't know if they have the time or resources to yeah. do that. I yeah. mean, that seems pretty wild because also for how long? Because like, so, so do people lie? Like yes, you know, men lie, women Never. lie, numbers don't, right? Never, so, Never have. Uh, yeah. So do <laughs> do people say they're going to do a thing and then do a different thing? Obviously. Yeah. But do people legitimately buy a two unit and live in one, and then two years later rent themselves out of it, upgrade, and buy another property? Yeah. Or life changes. Obviously, yeah. life changes. They move, whatever, yeah. right? So, so they they didn't lie, but then their life changed, and then they their circumstances changed. So, like, if if they were to do that. Two two things. One is like, what is the statute of limitations there? Like, yeah. for yeah. how long? And secondly, if they were doing that, I'd be pretty unhappy as a taxpayer because CMHC is a crown corporation. Yeah. yeah. Also, and, why is CMHC <laughs> going out there to send people you know, so they can? Go, would, oh no! Now you have to put twenty percent down. Um, they're kind of one stepping on the lender's toes, and two, then they won't get the CMHC premium to begin with. I don't know that they have enough of a dog in that fight to do it, but I just um, don't like the idea of paying someone pay, like paying towards such a policing yeah like either approve the deal because you trust what's happening as presented or or you call it out and they've done that they say no we don't believe you so we're not going to do this yeah and so if if you've approved it up front then own it you know yeah that's That's my thought yeah i agree with you on that i think my like for me everything everything money moves everything and at the end of the day if they're doing that there's gonna be less less lending going on and less money for the banks less money for them even though it's crown they still they're still in it to make a make a dollar yeah. So it well, they're, they're, wouldn't they're make sense. Vastly it makes the profitable. Always, I always it's, tell it's people too. It is yeah, and this comes back to you, Uyghurs. Like, listen, the bank wants to lend you the money. Yeah, you mm-hmm. just need someone to help you present a package to give them an excuse to lend you the money. Yeah, yeah. right. So if you are not a A class borrower, you need someone to present your file in the best possible light to give the bank an excuse to do what they want to do, which is give you the money. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about when you buy a property and you want to lift the value through the Burr method or something similar and purchase plus, plus improvements. You laugh at the Burr method the same way as I do. Yeah. Or lifting the value of the property through purchase plus improvements, which is a big thing yeah. that I did starting up. And I think, Neil, you've done done similar models. I've, I don't I've know if you have a specific well, yeah. question about purchase plus improvements, but one thing you might be able to touch on is how 
generally how it works, but then also how different lenders have different versions of the same product. Yeah, so that's important. So purchase plus improvements is the ability to add money for renovations to your mortgage at the time of purchasing the property and finance it to the same degree as the, the, the purchase price. So we as consumers think of down payments, so say 5%. Banks think of the opposite number, which is called loan to value. So if you put 5% down, your loan to value is 95%. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing that and adding improvements, you get to finance the same 95% of your renovation. So say you buy a place for you know 400, improvements typically tap out at 40,000. So that's a quick note. Yeah. And that includes tax, which people always forget about because you know, they're getting quotes and then it's like, oh, the tax. Well, so, so it's really yeah. 35,000 yeah. right? plus tax. You need quotes up front. It can't just be an arbitrary like, hey, Scotiabank, give us 20 grand. Mm-hmm. We need a quote from a contractor. Then that money is added to your purchase price. So say it was 400,000. It's also, is it often capped at 10% of property value? Uh, that's old. Is that old? That's, okay. Yeah. So now it's usually 40 or 20%, okay. whichever is lower and yeah. 40 is always lower. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So uh, some banks do have the 10 still, but like that's kind of outdated. So for 40,000 or 20%. Okay. And sometimes you can push it a little bit. It doesn't bit. go as far as you used to. No. no. But you can push it a little, but n- minimally. So, yeah. So you get the uh, you get the quote. So say it's a four hundred thousand dollar home, twenty thousand dollar quote. Mathematically, the mortgage now works the same as if you bought a house for four twenty. Yeah. You put five percent down on four twenty. Yeah. But at closing, the money's held back. You don't actually get it in your hands. Yeah. And then you have to get the work done on your own accord means, which doesn't necessarily mean paying for it in full because you shouldn't be paying for it till it's done. You just want to communicate with your contractor that, hey, look, I'm using a mortgage plus. Yeah. Uh, you give me the invoice. And once I have the invoice from you, then I can go get the money and the work's done. That's Most right. contractors are familiar with it. At this it. point, yeah. Also, you shouldn't be paying a contractor till the work is done anyway. Maybe so, a deposit or something. Yeah, they but, might be like, listen, yeah. you got to pay the material cost or a portion of the material cost. And then yeah. I also find it motivates the uh, contractor. The contractor because they're like, uh, can we get some money? It's like, yeah, when you finish. Yeah, when it's all done. <laughs> Money's ready as soon as it's done because I've got to bring an appraiser through. Right. This is part of the process so, too. So this is, so it's funny you both, so you mentioned invoice, you mentioned an appraiser. So this is where it, it's very different uh, between banks. A lot of them have the program and they'll approve it up front. But when you really want your money, when you're done your work and your contractor's hounding you, the process to get the money released is very different as to mm-hmm. what a bank may require from one bank to the next. Yes. So with some, it's super easy. With some, it's pulling teeth. So some want matching invoices yes. to the original quotes. One bank, which I won't name to knock them, but they have the worst program. They want not just the matching invoices, mm-hmm. but paid invoices. Other receipts. Like you get to prove you paid it already. Yeah. Which, so that means literally you're coming out of pocket for that. Right. Which, which then you probably didn't need the program. I mean, yeah, why, yeah. why did I borrow the money if I got it? Well, people just slam it on a visa or something right. like that and, and then, then an pay off the visa situation. in yeah. theory. And, yeah. and most banks want us to present this proof to them. This particular banks want all these paid invoices presented by your lawyer. And guess what your lawyer doesn't want to do? Any of that. <laughs> Count your Home Depot receipts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so anyway, so with other banks, all they want is an inspection, which is a lot simpler. It costs, you know, 200 bucks to get an appraiser to go out there. They're not yep. actually appraising the home. They're just inspecting. Confirming that's wrong. Right. Yeah. And all they're confirming is that the work as outlined in the quote has been done. Not by who, yeah. not how much it costs you, no yep. receipts, just new floors. You got new floors. Check. The reason this matters is you're buying a process, you're going through your due diligence because you have to, or ideally you get this all done during your due diligence while you're arranging the financing. You're out there just trying to get these quotes together. You might not use those people. It's so hard, yeah. But what happens if you get a quote from one person and then find – you know, a different person or that person is no longer available to do the work. And you have a lender who's saying, no, no, it has to be the same person, same price. Or, or what if you pay cash? Because let's face it, 
that's pretty standard in yep. trades, which is legal tender. There's nothing wrong with it. What they yep. do with the cash is not your problem. Yeah. This right? is why you pick a realtor with a contracting company. <laughs> right. There you go. Get a quick quote <laughs> yeah. on the spot. Quote. Yeah. No, it's, it's, yeah. um, but then what if they don't use you? Yeah. You're too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> that, that happens. <laughs> it's just an awkward situation. <laughs> oh, gosh. That's hilarious. But so again, so, but that's, that's a, a good point about a good broker. I'm not saying like only us, like there are other good brokers, but if you want purchase plus and someone says, Oh yeah, well this bank will do it without knowing, like, is that actually the best bank to do it with? Totally. When people are like, Oh, we're doing purchase plus. And they say, and I go, what's your lender? And they tell me the lender. I'm like, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) right, man, we're going to have to get like, and it's, it's going to be an arduous process where the whole benefit of this is that it can be a really, really beneficial process. For example, you know, I tell people when you're getting these quotes because the nature of work, the scope of work often changes, a quote that's a bit more ambiguous is actually helpful. Yeah. yeah. Like saying kitchen renovation. Yeah. That is helpful because don't, what if, you know, don't you, hole yourself. Yeah, you open up the wall and it's like, oh my gosh, you know, there's this issue over here and I've got to spend money on that. And all of a sudden all I can do in the kitchen is less than what I thought. If you go in there and say, I'm going to have, you know, granite top, quartz yeah. this, this removed, Ikea this. this yeah. And then you, know, you don't have exactly that. Then, then the inspector can say work is only 80% complete yeah. per the quote, even though you might have a brand new kitchen, but it's yeah. not exactly, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, so again, these are the things that if you're thinking about doing, and a lot of people are looking at that as a way to finance lifting a property's value. You need it, to have the team around you. You always that knows should be financing that. your construction. Honestly, I'm like yeah. 100%. If you want to grow and you want to grow fast, you have to finance your construction. It just doesn't make sense. Otherwise, you're going to be waiting for cash for too long or it takes forever to get the work done. And you're going to get into it. I'm going to tell you right now, even if you finance your construction, you're going to end up throwing some cash down. Oh, yeah. Like there's going to be things that come up even when you throw mm-hmm. these contingencies on it. Even every these building. I've, yeah. I've done this yeah, a bunch of times. Pocket. No, and right. I'm, I keep increasing the construction budgets for like contingency. And then every single time, either the prices of something went up or something new came up that has to be covered very You have to pave the driveway twice. You have to pave the driveway <laughs> twice because you have to dig it up. And like there's just so many different things that come up. Yeah. So like it's it's always worth taking the part because I have a lot of clients that are like, ah, nah, like we got the cash anyways. We'll just do it. And then they get into it and I'm like, well, how come the kitchen just ends there? And they're like, well, we ran, ran out, out of cash. We ran out of cash and we didn't get it at the end. And I'm like, oh, so that extra like $25 on your payment. And right. Hundred bucks when you close would have been really nice right now. The way I always describe it to people is like, okay, you can just add this ten grand onto your mortgage, and right now, what's it cost to borrow ten grand approximately? Forty two dollars. Forty two bucks. All right. So go to Home Depot and spend less than forty two bucks. You cannot walk out of Kent or Home Depot without dropping a two hundred two hundred dollars at the cash. Like so, it's like, oh, I'm going to do it myself. I'm just going to pick away at it. It's like, okay, how many times are you going to walk in and out of those automatic opening doors? Because every time, like you're leaving 100 on the way in and 100 on the way out, it's $200 a visit. So if you do that eight times through the course of a month, or you could have just paid $42 a month, right? It's... It is worth looking into for sure. Just make sure you have a broker that's giving you products that are going to be very, very good. The, the other thing too is like you mentioned, uh, people like looking to get a lift of a property. You know that that's valid, and but that's a bit more like like ambitious, like profit driven. But just the average first time buyer and yep. and our market where a lot of young people are buying someone's grandmother's house, yep. which may have all the bones in good shape and the roof was done, but the kitchen's original and yep. you know, there's there's dusty rose carpets and stuff. Good bones. So good bones. yeah, good bones, sure. <laughs> like quaint, you know. But um that person may have five percent saved and then they may look at that and say, Well, like, well then what? Right? Yeah, yeah. big time. Well, yeah. great, this, right? No totally, problem. Hundred percent. Right? This, this is, is yeah, this is how I'm, you do it. Yeah, a lot of ki- like young people rubbing nickels together to get into these properties by the time you pay well, your D transfer, your lawyer costs, your you know inspections yeah. and all 
dollars and the rising pro- prices like the and, and deep and, transfer like what a racket you know and so, you know coming from renting where they're like okay well we don't want to be totally house poor we want to feel like we have five thousand bucks in the bank account in case something comes up well how are we going to do any of this right well, this and a lot of them feel like we'll just chip it away it's like no like that's what I remind a lot of them too. I said I, I, I try not to like I don't I'm insulting my client. I always remind them like look like I'm not doubting that you have the cash available, <laughs> but no need to extend yourself to that level. Mm-hmm. Like if you can borrow it and keep your 20k in, in the bank because just in case something does come yeah. up or like if a car blows up, like you know, there's so many mm-hmm. different things that you. I'd be better that you do that and take on your 42 bucks a month and and the extra little bit down, so you have some wiggle room to play. It's with. also the only time you're going to have that right. option. Until like you, you can't come back here a year back. later and be like, oh, I'm going to add to my mortgage now. It's like, no, no, you can't do it. Yeah. Right? Like this is your one time to do it. Get the cash. And it's also really motivating because there's a time restriction on this. You can't be like, I'll get the cash and I'll do it when I want. It's like, Depends no, no. on the bank. Like, so so some have a, like a four-month, three or four-month restriction. Some actually uh, have no restriction. But um, so there's a bank, for example, First National. They don't really have a specific time restriction. But they advance all the money to the lawyer. And so let's say it's $20,000 for the work. Yeah. It's just sitting in trust with your lawyer until they, they, we prove the work was done and then they allow the lawyer to release it. My point is you're paying interest You're paying interest on your lawyer. So, you show up and he's got a new Corvette. <laughs> so, so while yeah, – no, but so while it's like, yeah, there's no pressure with them to get it done at any particular deadline, you're paying, you're paying for it. Yeah, yeah. The, the other thing that's important to note too, just a quick side note, is that you don't get the money in stages. So say you had three quotes mm-hmm. for like a kitchen, a roof, and a heat pump. And you do one of those things, you can't go. Okay, can I have eight of the thirty thousand? Yeah, it's all when all is all done. Yeah. yeah, that's why you really need to line up your contractors and have them all on the same page. Like when the total project is done right. and everyone needs to be done here in forty-five days, and you're going to get or, paid, or you have a line of credit paid. or something. Yeah, yeah. You pay for some of it yourself. You pay yourself back. Yeah. To shift a little bit on that, mm-hmm. so we're talking now for homeowners, the mortgage plus, and you're saying you don't get paid in stages. For investors, yeah. When buying multi units um, and things like that, there are options for yeah way, construction draws basically yeah, yeah. way more money yeah like, not necessarily limited by a percentage no, or a set dollar value uh, limited by appraisal really limited by appraisal and cash flow and cash flow and they do have the opportunity there to do draws and I'm going yep. to this because this, this is, is literally jam. my yeah. jam this is how I built my business like without this I'd have be nothing literally yeah. And so, yeah, I guess maybe we dive into that a little bit. Like I started basically with private lending to do it, but I did that structure where I got the money on the purchase and then I had whatever five draws set up and they would be like ding based on completing this much work. We'll drop off. At- yeah. So there's an inspection report. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's not dissimilar to just building a home. Yeah, uh, where you get construction draw mortgages. Yeah. So, yeah, and the, and the way it works is obviously you're purchasing the price at X. Then you have an as complete appraisal that's done in advance of X plus based you on know, your quotes again, you know, right? Yeah, a million dollars of value once you've lifted a underperforming property to a, a performing property, and then it's like, all right, well, to get that million dollars of value is going to take say six hundred thousand dollars worth of work. Yeah, and they'll give you. You know, when you get the windows done, when you get the heating system changed, it'll give you hundred the first hundred thousand, and then so on and so on, and then you have your final takeout at the end. That's what Neil's kind of alluding to. Um, yeah, it speaks to how important the appraisals are. Right. Um, and again, not all lenders are going to do that product, but it is very doable. The, the cool thing with so what you're talking about is commercial financing. Exactly. Yeah. And, and commercial financing is interesting because it it's it's kind of this funny thing where with residential, like it 
while there's ways to be creative and do this or that, it's still like, it's a box, right? Like you can either do X, Y, Z or then, or then you cannot. And it's, it's solely you focused. Right. They don't care how nice the house is. They don't care how good of a deal you're getting. Doesn't matter. They care about the borrower. Whereas with, with commercial, it is more focused on the asset. They want to know that you're a solid sponsor, a good borrower, you know? but it is a lot more about the asset, yeah. which makes sense because when you buy a house, you have to pay for it. When you buy a 20-unit apartment building, you can't be expected to pay for it. The building yeah. is meant to pay for itself and then some, and that's what a commercial bank analyzes. Yeah. But so with it's harder to answer, like when someone says, what can I do in this residential scenario? Here's what you can, here's what you can't do. Yeah. With commercial, there aren't such strict goalposts, which yep. is bad because it's hard to give like a definitive answer when someone's like, could I do this? Like, yeah. Maybe. It could be let's, zero down. Let, it could be 35% let's, down. Let's, yeah. let's get yeah. into it to figure yeah. it out. But but that's also the good thing because you can get creative. You can get like on a case by case, like unique uh, solution, you know? That's why the due diligence is like six weeks. As I was thinking yeah. about it right <laughs> if now, you're like, lucky. this is why you yeah. do long due diligence. Make yeah. sure you do your Enviro, your inspections, your appraisals, <laughs> all that before firming up on the deal. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to retract from all the things I've said in previous episodes <laughs> yeah. of just saying firm up. But uh, yeah, no, that, that makes sense. And I think that's important for people to look forward to. We talked a lot about the pros of going to six plus units because the cap rate it starts working in your favor and you can get creative with your end values and obviously the end value and the takeout is a lot of what we talk about. You still need to be solid unto yourself and you often will have to have larger down payments. Yeah. Yep. But after that, they look at the building as a performing asset and, and are financing on its strength as much as they're financing on your like, strength. Like you're yep. the backer. So they yep. need to know that you're financially capable, right? But unlike residential, they're not so worried about like, well, how much is your car payment? You know, that's not like, that's not crucial, but they want to know that you're, you know, solid. But with the commercial side, uh, the other thing too, to your point, yes, larger down payments, but they also allow vendor take backs. Whereas with residential, like you can't get, no matter what people like to say, you cannot get a vendor take back to buy a duplex, right? You cannot get a vendor take back to buy a duplex. (laughs) Right. You Uh, like, like, (laughs) okay, fine. So could could you, sorry, to clarify, have, do people do it? Sure. But like, should that be happening? No. (laughs) You know, um, I know nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we'll talk about that. Well, I think we should do a, a whole episode about commercial financing we should, and vendor take backs sure. because I think it is incredibly important. I was talking about some about this the other day and she was asking about purchasing a property effectively commercially. And right. I was like, yeah, you're going to get into some, you're oh. going to have a significant down payment. She's like, well, how can I get into it with less down payment? Like in theory, a vendor take back, but the property you're looking at is currently residential. You're talking about converting it to commercial. Like you're opening a bag of worms with this sort of thing. Yeah. But then I'll say, well, but are you buying it for your own business? Because there are some situations right. where a business can buy a building for its own owner-occupied sole use and get in with zero down. 100%. Yeah. We've, we've which, done a few of those. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't work if you're a realtor. They don't care about no. us. But like no. if you're like a white collar. If you um, have like a shop or like, yeah, a, yeah. you know, a, like a company that needs a proper building. Like, company. like we did it for, a, yeah, you, you could. For, seriously. <laughs> we did it for a. Um, we, we did it for, way too visual that if like any of this stuff gets, it comes back. Like Neil's like. Wink, wink. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. Uh, we did it uh, last year. We did one for a barbershop during a pandemic when they were closed half the year. Yeah. With no money down. No yeah. way. Yeah. No way. It was, and it was, was super great. frustrating because I, as a property manager, went through. So I'm like, okay, well, I need a place to store my materials, you know, to have an office if someone wants to drop off checks, you know, and, and to even like, it sounds ridiculous, but I've got like eight extra fridges kicking around. Like I, I needed a, a shop for that. And I think they still were like. To have five. Chandler's problems. <laughs> yeah. Eight fridges. Eight fridges. I've got yeah. a fridge addiction. Yeah. Um, Back to the VTV thing for a second. Yes. So what I mean by you can't do it is that 
when you get a mortgage from a traditional bank, can't just, do it for residential. If, if yep. you just do, yeah, sorry, for a residential property, for a two-unit property or something like that. If you go to like a Scotia Bank or TD, all those banks have a clause in their contract that says no secondary financing permitted. Yep. You yep. can't have a second mortgage registered. Yep. Do people yep. register second mortgages later? All the time, sure. But upfront, at time you of purchase, you can't be doing that. Also, or do they do promissory notes? I'm sure. Which is, I'm sure people do lots whoa. of stuff. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, you can't have a borrowed down payment. So if you're saying, like if the bank says, great, where's your down payment coming from for this little duplex? Uh, and you say the VTB, yeah. then they say, well, that's not acceptable. Sorry, for two reasons. You can't borrow your down payment. You can't have a second mortgage. But could you do a two unit commercially? Yes. And then it gets... On a side note too, when you say you can't borrow your down payment, an unsecured borrowing. Right, an unsecured borrowing. Yeah. Okay. That's right. So if you have a home equity line of credit, that's secured borrowing because that's really your money. Yep. It's your equity. You're just accessing it through a credit facility. That's different. Secured means registered against an asset, whereas unsecured is like, here's a line of credit. Yeah. Or a credit you card. Know. Yeah. That's right. Just because we're, we're, we're sort of precur- or, or, or previewing some future things, because I do think we need to do a full episode on vendor takebacks. But just for real lay terms for people not understanding, Here's a hypothetical example. It's commercial financing and you need to put 25% down. There could be a scenario whereby you've only got 15% down payment, but the seller will hold an additional 10% mortgage that will be registered against the property. So As a second mortgage. Yeah. So you've yeah. got a 15% uh, down payment. The bank is hold, only willing to hold 75% loan. So the seller in second position to the bank loan will have a, another mortgage of 10%. We're going to delve into that in depth because it's incredibly interesting and it's very important and it's very useful for a lot of reasons, not just for the buyer, but also for the seller. We'll talk about that in another episode, but just if people are curious, what what are they talking about? It's called a vendor take back. That's kind of an old term for it. Those are great. I use those a lot to get rolling. Like I, I still do. People still do, honestly, even on like a very big scale, you'll see huge transactions totally. taking place with vendor totally. takebacks. And sellers are, are down to them for a few reasons. Again, we'll talk about that in another, another yeah. yeah. To 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 focus, because we're trying to work a little bit mostly on the residential side of things, a good question that I get a lot that I just want to hit kind of quickly is fixed versus variable and open versus closed. Right. So open versus closed is a quicker one. So open yeah. just means you have no penalty to pay off the mortgage at any point. Yeah. That's rarely needed. Yeah. Also, it comes with a much higher interest rate. Yeah. The only time that's relevant is like, in my opinion, say you uh, are flipping a property, yeah. you're only going to have it for three months or something. But even then, so there's also where you can get a secured line of credit. Yeah. And a secured line of credit is open just by automatically. Yeah. And then it's not at the astronomical rate that an open mortgage is. It's just more limited in that a line of credit can only be up to 65% of a property's value. Okay, yeah. Whereas a mortgage, you can go up to 80 if it's a like an investment property, let's yeah. say, right? Open and fixed means like open term. How long do I have to be committed to this mortgage product? Right. So it's open. You 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 can terminate it early without penalty. If you have a, a fixed one that's say for five years and you terminate after one year, the bank's gonna say, "Hey, you owe us the remaining four years of interest." But there's a trade off for, for this. Right? Yeah. Well, the rate's cheaper. But so here's here's in our opinion the, the often the better way to go if it's gonna be like a one year thing. Let's say. Yeah. You could do a one year fixed term, which means after one year you can pay it off with no penalty. But it's really hard to time things that accurately. So if you yeah, pay yeah. it off in nine months, you'll still have a penalty. Yeah. And if you haven't, if it's not ready to be paid off or sold in a year, then you have to renew. Yeah. And then three months later, you sell it, you still have a penalty. Yeah. yeah. So what we would usually suggest to mitigate penalties is just a variable rate mortgage, which I'll, I'll come back to that part of your yeah. question. But a variable rate mortgage, one of its features is that it has the smallest possible penalty to break. Yeah, what's yep. it, three months? Three months yeah. worth of interest. Whenever you break it. So you don't have to worry about like, am I three months in? Am I three years in? Doesn't matter. It's three months worth of interest, period. This which, is why, again, Which is relatively small 
yeah. in the grand scheme of things. I, I'm not rate sensitive, right? right? A lot of people are rate sensitive, like, oh, this one's 2.19. Oh, this one's 2.14. I'm going with the 2.14. I yeah. just smoked you guys, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> and, and if you walk and say, give me your best rate, they're going to be like, all right, here's a five year closed product that you can't port and like it's going to have all these things, but we're going to give you the best rate. To me, it's all about having the conversation with your broker of what are your goals? Well, my goal is to be in and out of this property in 12 months. And what are you going to do after that? Are you going to buy another property? Because if you are, then maybe we can port. So you need to have a mortgage product that's portable. And what does that look like? And how do you top up if the new one's more expensive, et cetera? Uh, But if it's like, no, I'm just going to turn it and burn it and I'm going to go to Europe for a year. It's like, okay, you need to look at a variable product or something like this because you're going to kill all your profits. The the other thing too, so that's a good point about rate. So the, the analogy I use, like people ask, well, I want the lowest rate. And I try to reframe that and say, you want the best deal. And rate is one big, admittedly, part of that. But when you go shopping for a house with with these guys, yeah. you don't say, "I would like to buy the cheapest house, please." Yeah, like you have other criteria. Yeah, and then obviously budget is part of that. Can we look at it? But here's here's a quick example. It's really important. So a variable rate, again, three months worth of interest is the penalty. But how is that calculated? So say you have one bank and their variable rate is one point five, and you have another bank and their variable rate is one point four. They both charge three months worth of interest. Yeah. As a penalty. Great. One port four is better, but not necessarily because so what one bank may do is charge three months worth of interest at your actual rate. So let's say it's 1.5. Oh yeah. Yeah. The other will charge three months worth of interest based on the prime rate, which is 2.45 currently, which is 1% higher. Suddenly your penalty is a lot greater. Yeah. Right. So, you know, there's fine print print is is crucial. Yeah. Yeah. I say, you know, I, for most investors, I think it really makes the most sense to go with open variable style product. I think so. Because I have a lot of them that are like, oh, sweet, like we got this duplex, we're going to lock it in five years, we know what we're doing. And I'm like, you say that now, yeah, you're and then change in six your months, mind. you're going to change your mind that either you don't like dealing with this investment yeah, go, I want to refine. or you want to refine by yeah. another place. So I'm always hounding it. I made the, that mistake on my very first multi-unit, just a three-unit, but I was actually getting some advice from a from another person who's an investor, and he's like, I have one piece of advice for you, and that's go with an open variable product because yeah. you never know what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. I was like, I know what I'm doing. I'm doing a fixed three-year, no problem, rates the bomb. I did it, and literally like a year and a half later, I wanted to go refi, and it was a huge, massive like paying them out. Yeah. The penalty mm-hmm. was insane, um, and I was like, okay, now it totally makes sense. And so all my investor clients, when they ask, I'm like, let's go with something that's open and variable. I know it's just flexibility. You, yeah, you need that flexibility in this business. You're, you're you got to remember you're running it like a business, unless you have like you're buying like a single family and you intend to live there for a super extended period of time. I, I just very infrequently find it makes sense to go with the fix. So, so I agree. So just to add, so you asked about fixed versus variable. People love making these sweeping statements, especially like, again, someone's buying their first home and they've got their their dad and their coworker in their ear and their uncle did this. And yeah. that's, so pe- people love <laughs> to true. say, it's true. I'm, you know, people love to say like, you should always go fixed. It's better. Or like verbatim, <laughs> verbatim, people will say, you should always go variable because historically it outperforms the fixed. Yep. Word for word, people will say <laughs> yeah, that. I've heard right? that one before. I've heard that true. And it is technically true, but <laughs> right. there's so much more in it so, like, than that. So to me, here, here are a few factors. One is, what are you doing, right? <laughs> so like if you're an investor, especially if you're, well, it doesn't matter. If you're a first-time investor, I always say to clients, what if you don't like it? What if a year later you realize Big you time. hate being a landlord and yep. these people are that like ruining your life mm-hmm. and you want to sell? Let's mitigate that cost of the penalties variable. Yep. Or if you are doubling down like you guys and we all are doing saying, no, no, I'm not selling. I'm going to keep going. Well, statistically, compared to the person who lives in their suburban home for 20 years, the likelihood of you breaking your mortgage because you're selling, refinancing, whatever, it's yep. huge. Yep. So minimize that that piece. So, so the only time I'll make a blanket statement is to say a variable for rentals is is better. The other thing is 
well, what, why not go with a variable, right? Like in general, why not? Well, it could go up, right? Like that's the, that's yep. the fear. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's not your money. Your tenants are paying for it. So your cash flow will decrease, but still, it's not like coming out of your pocket. It's not, yes. it's not coming out of Chandler's lunch money, right? Like yeah. you still have peanut butter for breakfast. You'll be okay. Yeah. Also, the interest on a rental property is tax deductible, 100% tax deductible. Yeah. So if the uh, rate goes up and your interest increases, well, at least so does your tax deduction, right? Yeah. So you have a mitigating factor that a single family personal home doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, these so, are all great points. So for the flexibility, the tax deductibility, it's just, it makes sense. For a personal home, it then depends, like if it's just a person buying a house, it depends on their financial picture. It depends, I would say, on the difference. So sometimes, say a fixed rate is two and a variable is 1.9. All right, for someone buying just their home, like, yeah, fixed probably makes more sense. Yeah. But right now, a fixed rate is in the low twos and a variable rate's in the low ones. So like, that's that's appealing because yes, there's a risk of it going Not up, a big gap again. but your initial yeah. savings yeah. are significant. Yeah. Also, like if someone's got you know a good down payment, good job, maybe they make bonuses, they're in a trajectory where their income's growing, like they can probably stomach a variable better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Someone putting you know first time buyer putting five percent down, that's the bulk of their savings. They've got two kids in daycare, and, and they don't have a lot of predictability of of uh, income wage increase. Well, yeah, yeah. Increases, so yeah, yeah probably fix is probably better for them, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's case by case. And, and that's the problem with these blanket statements is like, oh, you should always do this. No one should always ever do anything. Yeah. And it's also like the person telling you that blanket statement is usually very well-intentioned and what they did, because, well, I did a fix. Well, it's awesome. based on their personal experience yeah, right. that this is happening also, like, for them. Also like 12 years ago. Yeah. And also yeah, yeah. it's a transactional, this is the product we have right now. This is what, you know, you came in saying you want the lowest rate. It was like, okay, well, this is this and we're not going to delve into it anymore because I've got another appointment in 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, so... You know, I was just going to wrap it up. I was at a bank a little while ago just doing like banking and, and they, they banks are now, they have the like tables where they're open, you know, and like, like someone was having a mortgage appointment that I was eavesdropping on, just like sitting in the middle of the bank branch <laughs> or someone. Yeah. And the guy goes, well, what kind of rate do you want? And the client was like, uh, I guess like a fixed one. What, what, what do you got? And the guy was like, ah, oh, the four years, pretty good. And he was like, oh, okay, that, that sounds good. Like, I, yeah. I just wanted to like shake him. Be like, yeah. is the, like, where's the advice? Your card says financial advisor, yeah. advise. I make my decision on whichever bank has the free iPad. Oh, right, yeah. that's important. Free that's iPad important. promotion. I forget about the extra $25,000 I'm going to spend over the next few years, but I'm getting right. an iPad on closing day. Yeah. And I saw that's, one the other day clutch. where I, I was copied on an email between a client and their lawyer, which like, I don't need to be copied on, but I was, I was copied on it. And it was this awkward conversation. We're like, hey, they, they were like asking questions, lawyer to client, back and forth, back and forth. What are your rates and blah, blah, blah. And then at some point in the thread, the buyer was like, my mortgage company just said that if I go with their lawyer, they'll pay for it for free. And I'm <laughs> like, I'm still in the thread. Right. You guys sort this out on your own. But like there was a mortgage company offering to pay for like legal fees. Yeah, that's, that's probably like a, probably uh, on a purchase though. That's yeah. that's very strange. Yeah. We do have to wrap it up. I feel we like do. we could talk about this at length, but I maybe there's a part two coming. But Neil? Yeah, you before know. we wrap it up. Yeah, I think we definitely will do a part two on more commercial stuff. Right. But uh, for today, because we are transitioning into the success podcast, what is success to you, Igor? Yeah. To me? Yeah. Glad you remember this. Like just in general, what like how would I define success? How would you define success? Like what What's do you it like, mean to you? Yeah. I, I know well, you and I have talked about this casually, so we're putting you on the spot here. But to give a little bit of yeah. background, like we talked about, like for me, it was like financial freedom to do whatever I wanted to do at a certain age. Yeah, um, I forget almost. I think it was just getting to the point where you know 
my money was working independently That's, of yes. me and I would yeah. start buying some of my time back. Yeah. Well, I think it's it's that. I mean, you and I talk a lot about having no time and, and I have a little, like I have a, 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 my son, he's turning one in two weeks. So that's really changed nice. my perception of time and how important it is to me. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's probably the same answer. It's, it's the ability to do what I want when I choose to do it without like sacrificing, I guess, quality or something like that, you know, like in terms of like anyone can do what they want to some degree, but they might not do it in a very good way or like a comfortable yeah. way. Mm -hmm. So, and it's not like, like I don't aspire to, for example, like you guys have more property than I do and I don't necessarily want to catch up to either of you and not, yeah. not in like a negative way. It's just, I don't aspire to have a hundred units, yeah. but I've got what I've got. I'll probably end up getting more, but so success is, I think, yeah, it's, it's the ability to have the time to enjoy, enjoy. En enjoy my life. Not that I don't enjoy my life, but just you know, continue growing that ability. You know, I'm, I'm an immigrant. I moved here when I was eight years old. My parents had to start their life over yeah. and they worked really hard to get where they're at. And now I've been able to, not that they really need it, but I've been able to help them with some things. So I'm really proud of that. So it's just being mm -hmm. able to like contribute, you know, like I've always wanted to start uh, like a scholarship and things like that. And that's something I, I think I'm actually like able to work towards soon. So, so, so things like that, yeah. I think that's success. It's, and, and the other thing too, like, like I love rap music. I love everything to do with, with that world. And so there's a common trend is like, if I eat, everybody eats. Now people want, need to want to eat as yeah. well, which is something I've learned. Like, yeah. like you can't just pull everyone with you just cause, yeah. but I do want to be able to help and empower those around me to succeed to whatever degree they want and, and I could help them. Um, so that's success to me too. Like it's, it's, boring if you're on your own yeah you know mm -hmm. not just your own um, personal freedom being able to help people yeah. achieve that for themselves and, and do what they want to do as well that's yeah. right so i mean yeah you're kind of putting me on the spot no but man i think, I think that's, that's a great answer that and great i think answer, it's a great honestly. way great way to wrap it up and, yeah. and i think we definitely need to do a part two of this so thanks for coming by great yeah time. thanks for having me yeah all thanks right. for coming on igor, igor thanks for listening everyone do you want to right. plug if anyone wants to work with you or how do they get a hold of you well, picture at yeah, yeah. Here, just you call me my number nine zero two four four one six four nine three. That's it. <laughs> there we That's go, pretty right there, simple. Phone number, but we'll have yeah, this yeah, information yeah. on everything <laughs> that we post as well. But yeah, thanks for listening. I'm sure people have some questions from this uh, that are listening. So hopefully, people post some comments because totally. we do a second round that we can address those questions. Yeah, getting the money is everything. I've yeah. said this. I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, without the money, the money, you can't. You can't buy anything without so, the money. So big time. Got to make it rain. All right. Awesome. Thanks we'll for listening, everyone. Talk to you. Rich hat.